Life Audio. The peace of God is what is going to keep you moving in the right direction, moving towards who God is calling you to be. That's what will guard your heart because the peace will keep you from spiraling in anxiety, from trying to over control, from getting angry or frustrated. That's what happened. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am loving this series. I just appreciate really drilling down and talking about how your life is meant to change because you're following Jesus. Following Jesus is not an intellectual pursuit, although we certainly have to use our minds and apply ourselves well. Following Jesus is about a transformation in your whole being, your heart, your emotions, your actions, your mind. And God invites us to a series of gifts that we experience that is the good life in Christ. And so that's what we've been talking about as we kick off this new year. And we so far have covered the idea of considering God, confessing and receiving, fighting fear, And today we're going to talk about choosing joy. So these are all daily practices that are the integration of our faith. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So normally on this podcast, obviously, we just study a passage of scripture. We apply our minds and we look for how God is calling us to live out because of that passage. But in this series, I just had such a burden. I have spent more time in the last six months. My schedule has just opened in a way that's allowed me to be in more relationships with more people who are outside of faith, who are trying to figure out life. And what I love about loving people who are not following the Lord is really understanding, like, what is the benefits of Christianity? You know, if you surround yourself with Christians all the time and you grew up in the church and you may, you know, sort of struggle with your faith like all of us do, but you can also you lose touch with what is really 
faith about? And what is Jesus really promising? And what does that look like for people in 2023? And what does that look like for me in 2023? So I really felt that burden, especially if you're new to faith and you're here with us, that you would understand there are daily rhythms of life with God. And those rhythms are designed to lead you into freedom, to lead you to peace, to lead you to holiness, to experience God, that this isn't just about knowing the right answers when the question is about Jesus. This is about your life really changing because you are walking with God, because you have communion with your father in heaven who created you, who who built you and made you and knows you and has a purpose for your life. All of those things are true. So we wanted to sort of step back and do a little bit more of an integration series, kind of pulling from different places in scripture. But we're going to sort of zoom in again today and our normal way of doing so by looking at just one passage. So I want to look at that passage together. It's from the book called Philippians, which is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. And all of these letters, if you're new to the Bible, these pastoral letters in the New Testament are a written record of how the church was spreading. After Jesus's death and resurrection and after Jesus ascended to heaven, the church exploded like this little tiny movement of people who half the people, you know, nobody knew what to think of Jesus. And he's got this tiny following and he dies an unjust death. And that's usually when movements end, like when the person leading the movement dies, that's generally the end of the movement. Um, It doesn't explode. And in Jesus's case, as predicted in scripture, he was led to an unjust death. He was crucified. And as scripture also predicted, he was raised from the dead. He appeared to his apostles. He appeared to people all over the place. There's eyewitness accounts of Jesus appearing in his resurrected form. And then he ascends to heaven and he sort of imparts the story of faith to his disciples. And we catch the story when we go into the letter of Philippians and any of the letters, Colossians, the letter of Ephesians, we're reading about what's happening in the church as people are beginning to believe and the movement of Christianity is spreading. And so that's kind of what we're looking at today. And I'm going to read you a couple of verses from Philippians chapter four. So this is within the letter that Paul is writing. And then we're going to talk about how we apply it to our situation. So Philippians four, verses four through seven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, you know what I love about this passage, just these four verses, is if you want to know how to start your day with God, here it is. It's just written out for you. We actually see this movement, right, of what's going to happen as we spend time with God and what we're going to do and what God is going to do. And I love that it starts in verse four, where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. So what does it say in this passage? Well, we know it says that rejoicing is not something that's limited to when life is going well, when the day is sunny, when we feel like it. Rejoicing is about doing it always. It's a choice that we make. Joy is not a feeling that you wait for. It is a choice that you make. And we rejoice what? We don't rejoice in our circumstances. We don't rejoice in our blessing. We rejoice in the Lord. Like 
something's happening where we are in and with the Lord and it is always possible to have happen, right? So that's the first part of the movement. If we were going to talk about where we were going to start our day, where we start our time with the Lord, we're going to rejoice. The other thing in verse five, the second thing is that the fruit of our time with God should be gentleness. Our spirit should be gentle. And that gentleness is how people should perceive us. So I'm not saying that you can't be passionate or that you can't be active or extroverted or loud, but what God's calling us to be is gentle. And so when you're encountering Christians who are being anything but gentle, no matter the topic, no matter the issue, whether that issue is politics, if it's the issues of our day, if it's abortion, if it's sexuality, if it's finances, whatever it is, If it's not coming with gentleness, then it is out of accord with the way that we are instructed to be as Christians. And believe me, we all fall into this, whether you're one of those people who's passionate and tends towards anger and fierceness or not. This is not about like always being right, but we do need to know what right is. Like we're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. We're all going to sin. But if you don't even have an intent to head toward the way that God's calling us to be in your character, then you're lost. You don't know what you're about. And one of the things that we find in the pastoral letters, because they're so practical, they help us actually set a direction for the way the the person that we want to become. And I feel like we're in a season and a culture right now that is confused about Christianity, rightfully so. But if we are in Christianity, if we are in the Lord, we do not need to be confused about who we are meant to become. It is very clear. It's very practical. It is all over the pastoral letters. If you don't know who you're meant to become like and believe me, this is a this is a wrestling and this is something that we have to journey through on our own. You can't just wait for someone to tell you this is what's beautiful about having God's word and being able to study is that you can start some lists like you could make a list of things that God is intending for you to become. And you can put at the top of that list, gentle. You're meant to be a person who is always rejoicing. You're meant to be a person who is gentle. We just see that even right here in this first passage. So when we think about the intention of our lives, it's not about shaming ourselves because we're not gentle or shaming ourselves because we made a mistake, but we do want to know and have a vision for where we're headed. And if you're in Christ And if you're following Jesus, you should be more gentle this year than you were last year and more gentle last year than you were the year before. That's what it looks like to be growing in the fruit of the spirit, to be growing in joy, to be growing in forgiveness, to be growing in patience. That's what God gives us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow, I did not plan on having that long of a rabbit trail, but let's come back. Come on back with me. Come back from where we were. I just had to preach for a second about that. Okay, so back here we go. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. What we see here really truly is this movement, right? You're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Joy is a choice. It's a choice that we make. We do it all the time. It's going to produce gentleness in us. People should experience us as gentle. And then it says, don't be anxious about anything, but it tells us what to do to move through and fight that fear. It says, fight the fear by bringing it to the Lord in prayer, by asking for his help and doing it with thankfulness, right? So that's what we're going to do with the Lord. We're going to bring everything, every situation we're going to bring to God. We're going to petition God. Nothing is too small, but we're going to do it with a heart of thanksgiving. We're presenting our requests to God. We're not demanding our requests. We're not commanding God, but we are presenting these things to God. And how do we know 
that God is at work in our heart is in verse seven, because the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means without getting the answer to your prayer, without the situation changing, you're still going to experience the peace of God when you are in his presence. And that peace is going to keep you from temptation. This idea of guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, the peace of God is what is going to keep you moving in the right direction, moving towards who God is calling you to be. That's what will guard your heart because the peace will keep you from spiraling in anxiety, from trying to over control, from getting angry or frustrated. That's what happens. So we have this beautiful picture of what happens as we spend time with God. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So that's what it says, right? But what's the backstory here? Just a little bit. I kind of hit on this a little bit about the pastoral letters. But if you look specifically at the book of Philippians, which I encourage you to do, if you're feeling anxious, you're feeling down or discouraged, Philippians is a great letter to read. Just You can just take the letter of Philippians and make yourself some lists and be like, what does this say I need to be doing with my life to move out of this place of discouragement? Because joy is an echo throughout this letter. Paul is making it clear that joy is based on trusting the sovereignty of God, meaning we trust that God is in control and that this joy is always available. It is never out of, we we always can access this kind of joy. It has no bearing on what is happening in your life. No matter what, no matter the suffering, no matter the pain, no matter the struggle, joy is available. It doesn't mean that you have to go skipping down the street, but it does mean that your heart can experience the contentment and the peace and the settledness that comes from being in God's presence. Joy is available. That is truly the backstory of the book of Philippians. And we're getting this little piece of it as we look at Philippians chapter four. 
So when I think about this idea of experiencing joy, I loved a, a study came to my mind I wanted to share with you that there's been some studies done on endurance athletes. So endurance athletes would be like marathon runners, very high performing athletes who run huge long distances. And if you've ever run a huge long distance or even run at all, you know that running can be very painful and your body is taxed and you are under stress. And in these studies, they discovered that endurance athletes who smile, who have a real smile, they have a lower perceived exertion and a lower heart rate. It actually improves performance to smile. And what so I just I, for some reason that came to mind as we were looking at this joy passage, because I thought about this idea of like, wow, like these people are in grave pain. They are under serious stress and their body responds when they smile, when they choose to smile things change in their body. And I think one of the things that we have to understand about the Christian life is that we can choose joy. We can make it a practice and a habit. It doesn't have to be manufactured. It doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be fake, but we can choose joy. Like we can decide, wow, despite my circumstances, despite my grief, despite my anger or confusion or frustration, I can choose joy. And choosing joy is about rejoicing, not in the circumstances, but rejoicing in who the Lord is. You can rejoice in who the Lord is by looking at nature. This morning I was running and I saw this sunrise and I was like, this is a beautiful sunrise. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. If you have eyes to see, you can rejoice in this sunrise. You can rejoice in the food that you eat. You can rejoice in a moment of comfort that you receive. You can rejoice in a great book. There's all these things out there that you can rejoice in. Now, I know that you might be rejoicing in those things while you also carry all this pain and struggle and have all of these doubts and fear. And we can do both of those things. And the crazy thing is, is that when we focus on the rejoicing, something happens over there in the bad stuff where we experience peace. And it doesn't change the bad stuff. It doesn't make a solution for the bad stuff, but it does make us different within it. We can be like the endurance athletes who smile and who experience their race differently. Okay, so what does this mean for us? This is our next question whenever we look at a passage. And what does it mean is kind of what we're getting to is this idea that joy comes from unshakable promises. It's not joy if it's based in your circumstances. If it's based in your circumstances, it's probably happiness and it's it's fleeting. It might be excitement, which is also fleeting. Those are wonderful things. I love happiness. I love excitement. But those aren't joy. Joy is unshakable. Joy is maintained regardless of the weather of your heart or the weather of the day. And joy comes from unshakable promises. I want to share three promises with you right now. You might want to write these down. And it can be really beneficial to actually write out the verse. You can go look them up later or write them down with me. Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. There is joy in the fact that when I keep my eyes on God, I will not be shaken no matter what. Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken... And the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. We can rejoice in the fact that our Lord has compassion on us, that he sees us 
and that he sees where we are, he sees our suffering, and he inclines his mercy toward us. And finally, Romans fourteen seventeen. this is a place of great joy for me. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Romans 14 at this point is talking about how there are believers who are chastising other believers for the things that they're eating and drinking. And Paul's making the point that the kingdom of God does not exist in those behaviors. The kingdom of God exists in the gifts of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that we can experience. And those are gifts that we can have. When we have the Holy Spirit, we can have joy. We can move through grief. We can cry. We can be need to be comforted, but we can end in joy. We can go out from our time with God in joy. We can go be sustained for the life that God's calling us to be. And you might need to go back to God and be with God every hour, every 20 minutes in order to sustain that joy. But God will sustain you and he will give you that peace. You have to make time to receive it from him. You need to to make space to be with him. You need to work through our rhythms that we've considered. Consider God, confess and receive, fight fear, and then we finally choose joy. So what does it mean for me today? What does it mean for me? For me, I'm reminded I have got to separate happiness and joy. And remember that joy is a choice and that joy is a practice and that what I'm doing in that time where I choose to find joy in God I may not know how it's going to impact me by 3 p.m. that day, but I guarantee you it will. And it may not feel like it changes anything on day one, but I'm telling you by day 10, if you can keep it up, it will. It will impact the way you are experienced. You will find yourself more gentle, more joyful, more peaceful, because that's what happens when we spend time in the presence of God. Okay, everyone, go spend that time, and I'll see you next week for our final installment in this series where we'll talk about what it means to crucify the self. Buckle up, everybody. See you then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.